0: Sun. You can hear their hearts beating loud. Can't keep those California Indians down.
1: Hello everyone, you're listening to American Indian Airwaves. For Marcus Lopez,
2: I'm your host for the hour,
1: Larry Smith.
2: Under the doctrine of discovery, fee title to the lands occupied by Indians when the colonists arrived became vested in the sovereign. First, the discovering European nations, and later the original states and the United States. And the word democracy is focused upon, but when you go and you look at the the founders and the writings of those men that are called founders, they were threatened by the idea of democracy. They didn't want the masses to be in control.
1: Today on American Indian Airwaves, the Doctrine of Dominion, an in-depth conversation on Pagans in the Promised Land, Decoding the Doctrine of Christian Discovery. You're listening to American Indian Airwaves. You
0: can hear when the moon shines bright The lone blue air in the black of the night You can hear, you can hear The whisper in the valley mm-hmm. And you know when come a
1: So, of course, we want to remind listeners that KPFK is in fun drive mode and we are asking KPFK listeners and American Indian Airwaves uh, supporters and listeners of KPFK to continue uh, their ongoing support of the work that we do here on American Indian Airwaves and the diversified range of voices that we bring of indigenous peoples to the program throughout the years and and generations, but also the diversity of voices and perspectives that you can hear on KPFK. And of course, we want to offer as a thank you premium item a book called Pagans in the Promised Land, Decoding the Doctrine of Christian Discovery by Stephen T. Newcomb. Uh, It's a profound, illuminating book by Steve. And uh, the book provides a startling challenge to U.S. federal Indian law and policy and Steve uses history, cognitive theory, and demonstrates how the U.S. government officials have used the religious concept of Christendom, often unconsciously, to justify the taking of Native American lands and to deny the original independence of Indigenous Nations. And if you want to understand the history of settler colonial property ownership, if you will, and the the creative colonial judicial uh, logistics that are used for the theft of Indigenous peoples' lands, then you need to read Steve's book, pagans in the promised land, decoding the doctrine of Christian discovery. It all starts with the doctrine of discovery or the doctrine of dominion that is codified in federal Indian law, the largest corpus of law within America's settler colonial judicial system. The book is a hundred dollar premium. It's a profound must read. It will change The way you understand the history of the land in the most profound, fundamental, and basic ways. Again, it's Pagans in the Promised Land decoding the doctrine of Christian discovery. It's a $100 premium. You can pick it up by calling 818 985 5735, 818 985 KPFK, or you can visit the kpfk.org website and click on the donate widget and pledge $100 for Stephen Newcomb's book, Pagans in the Promised Land, decoding the doctrine of Christian discovery.
3: Marcus? Well, Larry, to get away from a lot of the, a lot of people look at law and look at the, which the book, Pagans in the Promised Land, and the subtitles, but the, the doctrine of Christian discovery is really important why is it important well you can listen to steve and you can you can read the book and it goes back into the level of the old testament and it goes back to the uh, to the policies that are premised on the old testament and narratives of a chosen people and their promised land as exemplified by the 1823 supreme court ruling Johnson versus McIntosh, that the first Christian people to discover lands inhabited by natives who are heathens have an ultimate title to the dominion over these lands and peoples. That's a mouthful. But I think for native people, it's about how they, the dominion, the domain, the control, Mm -hmm. the rule of a other force upon them to move them in the. Um, what it challenges also, Larry, within his book is Sierra Nullius. The notion of the theological notion that the legal doctrine of discovery lands were devoted of human, original people who lived there, as you find as heathens, pagans, and infidels, were not ruled by the Christian prince. Now, that might sound like, oh, we're just talking words, right, Larry? We're just talking, ah, just that, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, uh, it's a matter of, well, uh, that's what the book says. And that's what Newcomb discovered, and that's what he's, he's pontificating. But yet, it's much more than that. It's about when I was in New York, Larry, and we uh, went to the United Nations talking about the, the Declaration of the Rights of the Indigenous Peoples, and we covered the story here. At American Airways, and was still covering the story, but yet the notion of people in the international legal sense, I went to a forum where Steve Newcomb talked about that, along with Owen Lyons, Chris Peters, Theo Oros, and the like, and they had a real good forum on what this all means. And the notion of this, Larry, and I think the important thing for our listeners is that we cover a lot of news and a lot of activities and Native people, Indigenous people on the front lines, right? We try to do that. We do it to best our our ability, and we air individuals that talk about sovereignty, talk about self-determination, that talk about rights of uh, Earth Mother, that talk about our language, our customs, our tradition the back of that, though, the backstory of all that, is, I was wondering like in Standing Rock, we cover the story, everybody you know, knows about Standing Rock, on the back of that, that legal and the, and the violence, the, the justification for violence, the, the, the uh, theological uh, entitlements of the doctrine of discovery, all this is a background where the legal arm created the force in order to Uh, dominate, in order to control, in order to force people to do what the people that are in power wish them to do or not do, right? Right. And so this notion of worth giving, we're offering this book, really interesting book. It's not an easy read. I'm not not pretending it to be, but it's a must-read as you decipher the ontology of Christian domination, of christianity christian dumb it's just christianity christian dumb the church empowered european governments okay. to coercion and violence you know and and within that larry we're talking about a a, a gift a hundred dollars you can phone this number 818 985 that's 818 818- Nine eight five fifty seven thirty five. support KPFK, and the support in our listeners that like our program and listen to our program, many, many, you know, people out there, whether it be online or whether it be live or whether it be, you know, the streaming that we do, that our our um, ability to listen to the program, even online, kpfk.org, is, is a gift that we offer people, and we offer people this tool, Larry, right. it's just a tool. It's just to, it's to understand why the federal government, the federal system, really the book, when I, I thought it was alarming, um, Larry, about the notion, the connection between the Christendom and Christianity and the state. And people think that the, that the, the church and state should never meet. But after reading the book, Larry. After reading it, when you sit down and actually go through the pages, it's going to take some time, but you can really focus on the pages and the language. I think Steve Newcomb, whenever he talks, Larry, he talks about words. He talks about right. the meaning of those words. He talks about dominion. He talks about the, um, the role of control. He talks about the uh legal jurisprudence and what that means in the role of this papal bull uh, uh, you know this this notion of what the uh papal bull the the document of um the document that the church uh the royal charters uh that the u.s supreme court ruling since 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 earlier in the ruling of jurisprudence of the united states when it developed the patterns of this oppression that continue to dispossess indigenous people, even today. Larry, I think it's important. What do you think, for our listeners, another point of view about this really important book?
1: I think you hit uh, a lot of the major highlights in, in why it's so important to understand what Steve is written about in Pagans in the Promised Land, decoding the doctrine of Christian discovery, because he really traces back right the beginnings of the relationship between the Vatican in which at that time in in world history was considered international law. It was the it was the the pinnacle of international law. They issued several key papal bulls that Steve lays out that legally and theologically justified the dispossession of indigenous people's lands and they are, legal documents, legal the- theological instruments, as you said, tools that have been codified in American law, like U.S. Uh, versus McIntosh, like the Tiaton case in 1954, and like a lot of other federal Indian law cases. In fact, every federal Indian law case that is uh, adjudicated by the U.S. Supreme Court, they start with citing US v McIntosh and so it's instrumental to understand not just that court case but how you know Chief Justice Marshall's court in that decision codified the theological papal bulls in the doctrine of discovery into that single court case that is foundation for federal Indian law and that means it's foundation for the legal justification of Dispossessing indigenous peoples of their lands. And Steve lays this out in much greater detail than what you and I can highlight uh, here on American Indian Airwaves. Again, the book is Pagans in the Promised Lands: Decoding the Doctrine of Christian Discovery by Stephen Newcomb. It's a 100 dollars premium item, a 100 dollars thank you gift for supporting us here on American Indian Airwaves, for supporting us here at KPFK. You can call 818 818- Eight nine eight five five seven three five eight one eight nine eight five 985 985 KPFK, or you can visit the kpfk.org website and make your pledge there and pick up Pagans in the Promised Land Decoding the Doctrine of Christian Discovery. And Marcus, we want to give listeners a taste of. Stephen Newcomb's own words. We've spoken with Steve quite extensively over the years in talking about the role of the doctrine of discovery or the doctrine of dominion. So with that, we're going to play a snippet of Stephen Newcomb in his discussion and his conversation about decoding the doctrine of Christian discovery here on American Indian
2: Airwaves. Pay my respects to the ancestors of this land, the Autumn people, and uh, to acknowledge their traditional territory. And also to acknowledge the representatives of the state of Arizona, Representative Hale and Senator Jackson, and say I'm very happy to be here. Some of these subjects that I'll be talking about are a little bit challenging because they do go into the organic concepts, the originating concepts that had resulted in so much devastation for our nations and peoples. I'm actually a Shawnee and Lenape. Our people, our nations are from back in the eastern seaboard area. And so it's interesting to look at how all these things have affected these doctrines, as they're called, these concepts, ideas, have affected so many nations and peoples throughout the world. I want to mention that I think it's key and critical in terms of looking for solutions to honor and respect each and every one of the indigenous nations throughout this land, this continent, this hemisphere, and to speak in terms of the present day territories of our nations and peoples. For example, I work with the Saquon band of the Kumeyaay nation, the Kumeyaay people, in the Kumeyaay territory, which is today commonly known as San Diego. But when I travel, people say, where do you live? And I say, I live in the Kumeyaay territory, now today commonly called San Diego. I make sure that I acknowledge that that is still existing because thousands of years of relationship, culturally and spiritually, of a particular nation or people with their land and with all the elements of life within those ecosystems, with the waters and and everything, that cannot be just negated or canceled out because some other people show up to a shoreline and plant their flag and their cross in the sand or in the land and then make some proclamation in front of a notary and make it an official document to say that they have created rights of sovereignty in that place when they're from somewhere else. And so I want to make sure that that I start out by acknowledging that. The other thing I want to mention is that what are these documents we're talking about in terms of the documents issued by the Holy See? what is now commonly understood as the Vatican and why are those documents so so important? When you look at the language of those documents which I'll quote in a moment, you'll understand some of the reasons why they result in behavior that has been so destructive all throughout the world for indigenous nations and peoples. For example, Papal document issued by Pope Nicholas V to King Alfonso of Portugal in 1452, the pope instructed or authorized the king to go to the western coast of Africa, and this is the direct quoted language, to invade, capture, vanquish, and subdue all Saracens, pagans, and other enemies of Christ, to reduce their persons to perpetual slavery, and to take away all their possessions and property. And the instruction in the document is that they are to convert the land. Of course, they're to engage in religious conversion, but this is specifically to convert the land of the African peoples. And in that context, the word convert means to unlawfully or wrongfully appropriate that which belongs to another. And because that's the understanding of the word convert, in the very next sentence or the very next section of the document, the pope declares the actions to be just and lawful. Those kinds of doctrines, that was in 1452. But in 1455, 56, 1481, 1514, other Portuguese-oriented papal documents were issued. But then in 1493, you also had the documents issued by Pope Alexander the Sixth, regarding the voyage of Cristobal Colon, otherwise known as Columbus.
1: And you're listening to an archival special here on American Indian Airwaves on the impact of the Christian doctrine of discovery. And now back to author of The Pagans of the Promised Land, decoding the doctrine of Christian discovery, Stephen Newcomb.
2: And in that in that document, you find some key. Phrases, And by the way, these documents are found in a book called European Treaties Bearing on the History of the United States and Its Dependencies to 1648, published by the Carnegie Institution in 1917. And you can find them in both Latin and English. And any of you uh, very diligent students, I highly recommend that you look at the Latin, go deep into that Latin language, because that's the language of the Roman Empire. And it's a language system that explains so much of what's going wrong in the world today. But those papal documents from 1493, there are several of them. And there's one sentence in particular in Latin, and it states: Sub dominio, actuali, temporali, alicorum, dominorum, consti- uh, Christiano- Christianorum, constitute non sint. And what that means in English is, not under the domination of any Christian dominator. And so that Dominorum Christianorum is a critically important concept because it's the idea of Christian domination, Christian dominator. There's another sentence in that document that says, We trust in Him, with a capital H on Him, from whom empires and dominations and all good things proceed. And the word for dominations is translated into governments in English. So the singular word for government in that context is dominacion in Latin. So these are very critical important points and important concepts because they do explain why there are supposed to be checks and balances on government. In other words the law, the rule of law is not simply to uh, be there for the people, quote unquote, but it's actually to hold checks on governmental officials and to hold them in check to, the, to curb their activities and their actions so that the deadly kind of lethal power that they have at their disposals is held in check by certain things such as a Bill of Rights and, and so forth. Now, when you trace these uh, documents back, uh, all forward, rather in history, what you'll find is that they, the papal documents along with royal charters of England and many other kinds of charters which were grants of rights to land and grants of of presumed rights of dominion and so forth, you find the organic laws, the source of the organic laws of the United States. And so, for example, before I came here I thought I should look into how these doctrines of, of discovery and Domination relate to the history of Arizona, so I looked in a book called Consti- "State: A Federal and State Constitutions, Colonial Charters, and Other Organic Laws of the United States," published in 1877 by the United States Senate and the U.S. Government Printing Office. And what I found is that the what gave birth to the territory of New Mexico was a an agreement between the Republic of Texas and the United States. And then that organic act of New Mexico, the Territorial Act of New Mexico, gave birth to the Organic Act of Arizona. And that resulted in the territory of Arizona. But I still wasn't finding in those two documents anything that seemed particularly relevant. And so what I did was I looked uh, more closely at the language on Texas. But in order to do that, I'm doing, using Google Books. So I go back to the table of contents under Texas, and when I, what I look at there is, it says, right under Texas, it says, Spanish claims of dominion in the Americas. And then I go back to the, to the um, book and look under Texas, I'm not finding it. So I have to look more carefully at the table of contents and then I see it refers me actually to a much earlier part of the book pages 304 and 305 so I go back to those pages and that refers me to Florida and interestingly enough the organic documents the the originating documents for Florida given in this book published by the United States Senate pardon me are two different documents one the royal prerogatives granted to Columbus in 1492 And the second document is the papal bull of 1493, issued by Pope Alexander VI to the monarchs of Spain. And that's the very document in which we find the very troubling concepts about domination and so forth. So that means that there's a direct linkage to the organic documents of Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, and as a matter of fact, also to California, and Utah, and Idaho, and Colorado, And they all go back, trace back to the Spanish Crown Law and to these other documents. So these are fascinating ways in which all of these ideas give rise to patterns of behavior and claims of territory and dominion on the part of the United States government and various state governments to the detriment of indigenous nations and peoples. In Johnson versus McIntosh, there's a key line that tells you how this all works to carry it through. And this is from Chief Justice John Marshall and Johnson D McIntosh. While the different nations of Europe respected the right of the natives as occupants, they asserted the ultimate dominion to be in themselves and claimed and exercised as a consequence of this ultimate dominion a power to convey the soil while yet in the possession of the natives. So if you parse that, you pull it apart and you delve deeply into it, it's the idea that they have, just by showing up, they have somehow inherent within themselves this right of Christian domination or Christian dominion as it's euphemistically called, and that the Indians, the heathen, original nations and peoples actually have merely a right of heathen occupancy and so that terminology is used throughout. Now, in 1954, there was a case that went before the U.S. Supreme Court called, called Tihitan Indians versus United States. And the United States government created a legal brief for that case. And I'm going to quote a couple of lines from that because I think it's critical and it links to what uh, Julie Fischel and Professor. Miller have presented on the Doctrine of Discovery. And in, under the uh, category, or under the heading of argument, the United States government wrote this, quote, prior to the great era of discovery, beginning in the latter part of the 15th century, the Christian nations of Europe acquired jurisdiction over newly discovered lands by virtue of grants from the popes who claimed the power to grant to Christian monarchs the right to acquire territory in the possession of heathens and infidels? Now that's direct language from the United States government to the U.S. Supreme Court in 1954, and it continues. For example, in 1344, Clement VI had granted to the, the excuse me granted the Canary Islands to Louis of Spain. And following the discovery of the New World by Columbus, Alexander VI in 1493 issued bulls granting to Spain all lands under Christian rule. It was necessary for the civilized Christian nations of Europe to develop a new principle which all could acknowledge as the law by which they should regulate as between themselves the right of acquisition of territory in the New World, which they had found to be inhabited by Indians who were heathens and uncivilized according to European standards." So they're using the exact framework that we're talking about here today in their method of argumentation, and the Supreme Court actually ruled in favor of the United States' position in that case. And when you look at the Tihitan decision, you will not find language specific to christians in their ruling they do talk about the idea of the the idea of indian title being by permission of the whites to occupy the land but what the supreme court did do in its ruling is cite to henry wheaton's element elements of international law published in 1836 and i'll just read you a very brief section of that It says, uh, according to the European ideas of that age, the heathen nations of the other quarters of the globe were the lawful spoil and prey of their civilized conquerors. And as between the European powers themselves, the sovereign pontiff was the supreme arbiter of conflicting claims. Thus the bulls, or excuse me, thus the bull of Pope Alexander VI reserved from the grant to Spain All lands which had been previously occupied by any other Christian nation and the patent granted to Henry VII of England to John Cabot and his sons authorized them to, quote, seek out, discover, and find all isles and regions and provinces whatsoever that may belong to heathens and infidels and to subdue, occupy, and possess these territories as his vassals and lieutenants. It thus became a maxim of of policy and of law that the right of the native Indians was subordinate to that of the first Christian discoverer. And so that is actually what the Supreme Court cited to in its decision to Yatan. When you start to look these uh, concepts up, for example, conquest, conqueror, and so forth, conquer, and subordinate, all these types of terms, there's actually a structure that's been identified by an amazing international law professor named uh, Anthony Ange. And he has published a book called Imperialism, Sovereignty, and the Making of International Law. And in the foreword to that book, written by James Crawford, a very eminent international law professor, he mentions that there is a structure of domination and subordination that Professor Ange has identified in international law. And what what I've begun to understand is that there's a specific vocabulary of dominance or a vocabulary of domination that has been used repeatedly throughout all these various cases and continue to be used today. And that once we identify that vocabulary, we're then able to decode and understand exactly how that system is operating today.
1: And that was Stephen Newcomb speaking on Pagans in the Promised Land, Decoding the Doctrine of Christian Discovery, a $100 premium item here on American Indian Airwaves, Please support the work that we do here on American Indian Airwaves and KPFK. You can call 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK to pick up the $100 premium item, Pagans in the Promised Land, Decoding the Doctrine of Christian Discovery, or visit the kpfk.org website, click on the pledge widget, and pick up as a thank you item Stephen Newcomb's book, Pagans in the Promised Land, Decoding the Doctrine of Christian Discovery. You're listening to American Indian Airwaves. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Song Roots Find the Cost of Freedom by Ulali here on American Indian Airwaves. We want to remind listeners you're listening to American Indian Airwaves, and we're asking for your continued support of the work that we do here on American Indian Airwaves and the work that volunteer programmers do here on KPFK if you appreciate the diversified range of voices, indigenous voices that we bring here on American Indian Airways from grassroots Native folks to indigenous academic scholars. And if you appreciate the larger spectrum of voices that broadcast throughout KPFK, we ask you to continue supporting us financially during KPFK's Fund Drive. We are offering as a thank you item, as a premium gift, the book Pagans in the Promised Land, Decoding the Doctrine of Christian Discovery by Stephen Newcomb. It's a $100 premium. You can pick it up by calling 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK, or you can visit the kpfk.org website and click on the pledge widget and pick up Stephen Newcomb's book, Pagans in the Promised Land, Decoding the Doctrine of Christian Discovery. And before the music break, we played you a snip, a snippet of uh, Stephen Newcomb speaking on uh, Pagans in the Promised Land, Decoding the Doctrine of Christian Discovery. There's a lot more information. There's a lot more to be said if you pick up and read the entire book. We encourage you to pick up the book if you truly want to understand the settler colonial or the colonial. Legal, theological, history, and how they are interrelated and interlocked with each other, when dispossessing or the and stealing, uh, literally permanently stealing indigenous peoples' uh, traditional homelands, and the book lays this out in very simple basic ways and some and in some ways uh so challenging read for those of you who are unfamiliar with that part histories, So we encourage you to pick up Pagans in the Promised Land, Decoding the Doctrine of Christian Discovery by Stephen T. Newcomb. It's a $100 thank you gift. It's our premium item uh, that we're offering here on American Indian Airwaves. Again, you can pick it up for $100 by calling 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK, or visiting the kpfk.org website and pledging $100 to pick up. Up the thank you item, Pagans in the Promised Land, Decoding the Doctrine of Christian Discovery by Stephen Newcomb. Marcus? Well, Larry,
3: it's so true what you said. The, the, um, the book, Pagans in the Promised Land, talks about the mechanics and the reasons behind this doctrine of discovery doctrine of Christian um, domination and three of the things that to summarize the, the structured nature of the doctrine of enslavement extraction and extinct extinction now when I went back to when I was in New York I forgot to finish the story Larry but it's about we were at uh, lunch afterwards and we were talking to different people and Steve was there, I think Steve was there, Oren Lyons was there and other people and Tia and, and Chris Peters and so on and so forth. But, and then Oren said, we fought all these years since Geneva, right? Cause could, uh, over there in the 70s, 60s, that they never approached the level of the notion of why we were legally and forcefully removed from our our nations. And Oren said, he said, that's because we didn't have an understanding of what this book, Pagans of the Promised Land, and this notion of Christendom and the... Decoding it, as you say, and the, and the domination of it, as you as we talked about, but that it's talking about the 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 results is that we would have been more hit thirty years ago if we mentioned it before. But that being said, the this domination allowed for for to make slaves of the people they encountered for the fourth. 1952 papal bull dumb the Resus says that christian sovereigns are empowered by the church to bait capture vanquish and subdue all saccharians uh, pagans and all enemies of christ to to reduce their persons to perpetual slavery and to take away all the possessions of property okay. larry that doesn't mean just from north america or well, South America, or Central America, yeah, North, yeah, South, that means Africa, Asia, the Pacific Islands, all these different peoples, India, so on and so forth, Middle East. And this notion of, of this real harsh and not only enslavement, but extraction of uh, legitimizing today the fracking, logging, water theft, plantations, agriculture, extraction industry that's going on worldwide, and the colonial, post-colonial nations. There's also the extractions of 18 million indigenous people living on the continent, if not more, and the killing of 200 million people, which Bernard talked about, you know, in 1999, where we talked about the elimination of native peoples, 90 percent of native peoples, um, in different ways in within this continent. And there's a reason within that. And some of the questions you might ask yourself, Larry: is, Do you know? how the land where you live was originally acquired. Right. Can you trace the gems of precious metals and your jewels that you wear on your body? Where does the water in bottled drinks you buy come from? Right. You know, lastly, do you eat food or use products made of palm oil or a lot of indigenous foods that were exported here in the Americas to Europe and the rest of the countries? So these are the questions that result, Larry, a real a pragmatic, if you will, result of this doctrine of discovery, doctrine of uh, domination. And this book that we talk about is a good premise. It really, read the book, yeah. and when you read the book, it's layers of layers of uh, the, the system <clears throat> of how a belief or a a the doctrine, the papal bulls, as they say, uh, this notion of of the pope and the christendom Church evolved. And you find when you get to understand it, then the you know native person within Boyle Heights, native person within Minneapolis, native person within Mexico City, or whatever you're listening from, we can say that this is a reason why. This law is against us, and this is the reason why the jurisprudence, as far as the morality, and as far as the history, and as far as the legal apparatuses that creates the military, and by force, the police, the military, the, the paramilitary, and many other things that we, we report by the late Fabiana Hirsch dubin that we talked about the Batistas, but there's a reason why the legal argument of Mexican state can use that for domination, just as, just as the American, uh, North American state can use that for domination, Canadian, New Zealand, and so on and so forth, and even Israel. So we can see that this is a a course in which this book is actually, Larry, a different courses and how to understand how we got here in the first place and then, in turn, Lowry from that discussion is where we got to go.
1: Right, right, and you're so—that's so true, Marcus. For all the the talk and conversations about a just, just transition, right? How can there be a just transition if you don't understand how we got here to begin with? And we want to remind listeners we're talking about the book "Pagans in the Promised Land: Decoding the Doctrine of Christian Discovery" by Stephen T. Newcomb. It is a $100 premium item, a thank you gift that you can pick up by calling 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK, or visit the kpfk.org website and pledge to pick up this $100 premium item, Pagans in the Promised Land, Decoding the Doctrine of Christian Discovery by Stephen T. Newcomb. Yeah, Mark is just uh, an excerpt from what Steve says uh, towards the end of his book, and it's uh, a nice compliment to what you were just talking about. He says, uh, Thus, this book's critique of the mentality and behaviors of empire and dominion, or of, excuse me, let me start that over. Thus, this book's critique of the mentality and behaviors of empire and domination is much wider in scope than would seem to be indicated by reference to Federal Indian law and policy and the liberation of indigenous nations and peoples. As humans, we urgently need to learn how to make meaning cognitively, socially, and culturally by establishing human conventions that accentuate a love of life and an abiding appreciation of of the immense beauty of life rather than the conventions that lead to further unbridled exploitation, domination, greed, and the resulting destructions of the fabric of life. And that's just a quote out of Pagans in the Promised Land, and I thought that was a uh, poignant uh, direct quote and and that speaks to what your final thoughts uh, were. And again, we want to remind listeners, the book is Pagans in the Promised Land, Decoding the Doctrine of Christian Discovery by Stephen T. Newcomb. It is a $100 premium item book that you can pick up by calling 818-985-5735- 818-985-KPFK or you can visit the kpfk.org website and we want to play listeners another excerpt or snippet uh, by Stephen T. Newcomb speaking on pagans in the promised land decoding the doctrine of Christian discovery.
2: In the U.S. Supreme Court in 1954 there was a case that had reached the Supreme Court called Teton Indians versus the United States. And in that particular case, it had to do with timber in the Tongass National Forest and given to a particular logging company by the Department of the Interior. And the Tihadan Indians sued for compensation, saying that their timber had been taken from them without a right on the part of the United States. The U.S. Justice Department sent a legal brief to the U.S. Supreme Court in that case. And the main argument of the Justice Department was the Christian nations of Europe having located and discovered the lands of heathens and infidels. And the U.S. Justice Department also cited Genesis 128 and the Book of Psalms and the Old Testament and used that and this reasoning about Christians and non-Christians as the basis of its legal argument in Tehatan. In the following year, 1955, The majority decision in Tehatan was written by Justice Stanley Reed. And Stanley Reed had written a dissenting opinion in an earlier case called Band of Tillamooks. And in that particular case, Stanley Reed said that the theory put forward in the Johnson ruling was that discovery by Christian nations gave them sovereignty over and title to the lands discovered. He used that exact same reasoning in the Tihitan ruling of 1955. And so when you look at that, you'll see that he cites to the chapter in Henry Wheaton's Elements of International Law. According to the European ideas of that age, the heathen nations of the other quarters of the globe were the lawful spoil and prey of their civilized conquerors. He further said, It thus became a maxim of policy and of law that the right of the native Indians was subordinate to that of the first Christian discoverer, whose paramount claim excluded that of every other civilized nation and gradually extinguished that of the natives. And so this is the system that we're up against as our original nations and peoples. The Canadian system has also used Johnson versus MacIntosh as a legal precedent. And the entire history of the papal bulls of the charters of England, the charters of France, and all the rest of it applies directly to the context of Canada and forms the context for the Idle No More movement that's going on right now and all of the issues that are pertaining to the First Nations and the original nations and peoples of that of of Great Turtle Island. That domination and dehumanization system continues to be used against original nations and peoples on every continent and region of the planet.
1: And you're listening to American Indian Airwaves, and we want to encourage listeners to continue supporting us in KPFK by picking up the book, Pagans in the Promised Land, Decoding the Doctrine of Christian Discovery by Stephen Newcomb. It's a $100 thank you item. You can call 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK, or visit the kpfk.org website and make your pledge there. If you want to learn more about Pagans in the Promised Land, Decoding the Doctrine of Christian Discovery, again, call 818-985-KPFK. KPFK, and now back to Pagans in the Promised
2: Land. What I'm about to read comes from a book by Bartolome de las Casas, who was a Dominican priest in the Caribbean. He started out as an encomendero during the time of the conquistadors, which means he was given a grant of land and Indians. But he was so disgusted with the genocidal treatment of the Indian peoples that he became a priest and a bishop of Guatemala, and one of the most powerful advocates for the rights of the Indian peoples. In this particular passage, this has to do with the island of Hispaniola. The Christians with their horses and swords and lances began to slaughter and practice strange cruelty among them. They penetrated into the country and spared neither children nor the aged, nor pregnant women, nor those in child labor, All of whom they ran through the body and lacerated as though they were assaulting so many lambs herded into their sheepfold. They made bets as to who would slit a man in two, or cut off his head at one blow, or they opened up his bowels. They tore the babes from their mother's breast by the feet and dashed their heads against the rocks. Others they seized by the shoulders and threw into the rivers, laughing and joking, And when they fell into the water, they exclaimed, boil body of so-and-so. They spitted the bodies of other babes together with their mothers and all who were before them on their swords. They made a gallows just high enough for the feet to nearly touch the ground. And by thirteens, in honor and reverence of our Redeemer, meaning Jesus, and the 12 apostles, they put wood underneath and with fire they burned the Indians alive. They cut off the hands of all they wished to take alive and made them carry them fastened onto them and said, go and carry letters. That is, take the news to those who have fled to the mountains. This is a first person account of a Dutchman who was present on the island of Manhattan when a massacre of Lenape Indians took place. The location is now where the American Indian Museum is, in that area of lower Manhattan. And it took place on February 25th of 1643. The uh, witness was a man named De Vries. The governor, William Keift, had vowed to force the Lenape's into submission. He had imposed a tax that the Lenape were refusing to pay. De Vries was staying at the governor's place at the fort and he said, I remained that night at the governor's sitting up and I went and sat by the kitchen fire when around midnight I heard a great shrieking and I ran to the ramparts of the fort and looked over to Pavonia, saw nothing but firing and heard the shrieks of the savages murdered in their sleep. When it was day, the soldiers returned to the fort, having massacred or murdered 80 Indians, and considering they had done a deed of Roman valor in murdering so many in their sleep, where infants were torn from their mother's breasts and hacked to pieces in the presence of their parents and the pieces thrown into the fire and in the water, and other sucklings being bound to small boards were cut stuck and pierced and miserably massacred in a manner to move a heart of stone some were thrown into the river and when the fathers and mothers endeavored to save them the soldiers would not let them come on land but made both parents and children drown children from five to six years of age and also some old and decrepit persons Those who fled from this onslaught and concealed themselves in the neighboring sedge and when it was morning came out to beg a piece of bread and to be permitted to warm themselves were murdered in cold blood and tossed into the fire or the water. Some came to our people in the country with their hands and some with their legs cut off and some holding their entrails in their arms and other had such horrible cuts and gashes that worse than they, could never happen. At a plantation on Cooler's Hook on Manhattan, 30 more Indians were similarly massacred that same night. That's the domination that I'm talking about. Those horrendous acts that were committed against so many innocent people that had done nothing wrong. The moment of silence
1: is over. And that was Stephen Newcomb, Pagans in the Promised Land, decoding the doctrine of Christian discovery here on American Indian Airwaves. Support the station KPFK and support the work we do here at American Indian Airwaves by picking up Stephen Newcomb's book. It's a $100 premium item and thank you gift you can get by calling 818-985-5735 818-985-KPFK or visit the kpfk.org website and that concludes our show for today here on American Indian Airwaves a special thank you to Stephen Newcomb a special thank you to our musical guest Aragon Star Kupa Aina Yulali, and the band Blackfire. American Indian Airwaves is mixed and mastered in the studio of Burnt Swamp Studio in Signal Hill, California. For Marcus Lopez, I've been your host for the hour, Larry Smith. Until next time. why your
0: freedom manifests on their graves, and the blood never comes clean from their guilty minds, nor the hands that hold the chains. we yes. against our fears Try not to become what we've endured Wearing our souls on the thread The moment of silence is over